This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Okay, we're in Harlem. Stop it. All right, you know what, Selena? I'm tired of you bullying me. This is cyberbullying. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR. Tiff Bizzle for shizzle. Got the spikes on your dizzle shoulder. I like that crap. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is the news roundup. We're talking about news. Be excited. Be mad. Curse your friend. Don't curse at us because we can't pay that FCC fine. Selena's here with a hair and a Beyonce bun. I love it. Can you you make your hand to a full bun? I don't think you can. Your bun game ain't strong in the shorty, hard <laughs> body like in the streets. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the haters. I'm going in right now. Oh, by the way, my name is Stanley Fritz. Selena Hills here, and so is Tiff Bizzly Biz Bizzle for Shizzle. On the Twitter, she is Tiff Bizzle. On the Twitter, I am Stan Fritz. On the Twitter, she is not married, Selena Hill. Go ahead with the news. Can we turn the ratchet down just a little bit? Never that. Just like two, two knots down, please? Brr. Thank you. Let's let's just turn it down a little bit. Hater. Thank you, Stanley, for that grand introduction to the news roundup. All right, guys. So let's just start off with one of the most pressing stories that really touched me and moved me. And that was... (laughs) Nicki Minaj? Yes. Can I say why, though? What is so funny? You don't see how inappropriate that sounded, huh? It touched you. Okay, so... I know. They touched Nicki, too. So, okay. So everyone knows that... Well, maybe you don't know, but Nicki Minaj now has a wax figure in the um in the Tucson Museum. Lady Tucson. Lady Tucson Museum. Oh, Madame Tucson, whatever. Madame Tucson Museum. We don't know. And um in the in the so her wax figure, she's actually posted like positioned on all fours, wearing um the outfit that she had on in her I in her famous Anaconda video, really? so she's not really wearing too much. So Wait, you why they use her that as a wax figure? Because they said that her that video is iconic and it changed the culture. It is. And Nicki Minaj said it changed the culture of hip hop. How? I don't know, but what? that's what she. That's what they all have been saying. It's iconic. So. In the, so that's how she's posed. Like basically, you can see her her enlarged, her larger than life booty, and her breasts are out, and she's just on all fours, just like ready to just like bend it over. Oh, and really? <laughs> so basically, Azealia Banks, who is another uh, black female rapper, she is. I've, I see. Azealia. I see her tweets. I don't hear any music. Well, I, uh, stop it. She's also no. from Harlem too, Azalea. So oh, I'm Azalea, sorry, Azalea. Is she so, might see me on a block, right? She might. She just might, Stanley. Mm-hmm. So Azalea came out and she put out some statements on Twitter saying, "Why would they use? Why would they create this wax figure of Nikki on all fours? Why didn't they just use her standing up with a microphone in her hand um, to celebrate her accomplishments? Why are they reducing her to just this objectable, sex, uh, sexualized figure on her on all fours? And basically, this plays into the history of how black." women's bodies have always been demeaned and dehumanized in this country and it's always like we're just seen as objectable and something to uh, fondle or or make fun of or grope or just do whatever you want because uh, we don't have our own agency over our own bodies and the reason why this sort of you know moved me in a way is because when I first came out a lot of people were saying well you know what Nicki Minaj signed off on it and she she likes it and this is how she wants to be portrayed what's wrong with it and at first you know I was listening to that type of argument but then Janet Mock said something that really hit home and it made me realize Janet Mock said no that's all she said no she had this she had this great prolific statement where she was talking about how um well she was talking about Nicki Minaj and it made me realize that when we look at 
video vixens and hip hop, and we look at how women are always has have been humanized for years in mm-hmm. hip hop. Do we sit here and say, well, well, the woman shouldn't have signed up. She shouldn't be doing this. Or do we say, well, let's look at the power dynamic. Let's look at who makes these decisions. Let's look at who's paying these people to do this and how they and how they formulated the structure to be reflective of the dehumanization of women of color. And I think that if we're going to attack someone, it should be the people in charge who made that decision. Because a lot of times a victim or a woman or anybody, they might not, they might, they might agree. But I think that the culture itself and who has that power to make these decisions should be held accountable. Well, I mean, did Nikki sign off on this? Yes, she did. Okay, I don't care. Well, Tiffany, what's your take on that? So, I saw the uh, the figure, and then you saw the picture of, like, you know, the young man, oh, like, yeah. behind her <laughs> in a questionable pose. And it could be fine that, you know, she's, you know, okay with it. But I also think, like, sometimes, like, women are just conditioned, especially, like, women in hip-hop. And it's like, you're trying to claim your agency, but it's like, are you really claiming your agency where that's the only kind of, you know, model that they give you? That you can represent yourself as. I do think that Nicki Minaj, you know, if she wants to be portrayed like that, but I feel like there were so many other ways that she could have been put on a wax figure, you know, and there's so many other women that are in that museum that are not, you know, may have similar, you know, um, careers as her that's not portrayed like that. And like, granted, Anaconda was like a big thing, but there was another, I think, another um, pose that she did when she had like the Jordans on and her legs were over. I was like, you could even did like that pose. Like, the fact that she was on all fours, like, it's just so like degrading, it looks like. And it's just, like the, the fact that people are behind her and now that they had to get extra security to make sure people are not taking crazy photos. She yep. okayed it. But well, she... men are literally putting their crotches in that her well, face that is, is what. <laughs> that is what the men are doing. And women too. That's Everybody horrible. is putting their, their crotches and stuff in the wax museum. You know, people have no respect. Yeah, so that's, I just want to interject that. Stanley, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why would somebody do that? Like, oh, let me let me sexually assault a wax figure. Basically. However, yeah. she gave the okay for this. I'm not, I don't think it's appropriate that people are doing this. But I'm not really here to have to go have, go on a big campaign for why they're objectifying Miss Nicki Minaj when she was like, "Oh, go ahead, two thumbs up on this figure." What do you like? What do you, she's not complaining. She has selective outrage anyway, so I'm not really one to feel too bad for her. Selective like outrage. Like Tiffany said, away, away from the mic. She's like, "Yeah, she does." <laughs> but let's 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 shift let's shift away from this because you know what? By the way, I I'm just thinking about people like getting in weird positions with the wax. Why would you, you do that? You didn't see the pictures? <laughs> no. They're all over yeah, the internet stand. That. <laughs> That's what every... And like, Azalea somebody... Banks predicted it. That's what they well, predicted. Any, like, so a, a crackhead half awake on crack could have predicted that was going to happen. Why would Why would anyone not... Like, look at the... I know the image. It's like her and, you know, Nicki Minaj is a very attractive woman. She's on all fours in, like, a bikini staring seductively. You don't think there's a pervert on 42nd Street? Who was going to be like, hmm, this is my moment? <laughs> really? Like, I mean, come on, exactly. guys. We we hope the best for the world, but people are still horrible. By the way, guys, if you're not horrible, you can call us. The number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. Shout out to BeHerd Chris, who said that he's getting his progressive fix from the show. And he called me the trap god slash lord. And I appreciate that. The lord's. I appreciate that. So I have some stories as well. My homie, and maybe I'm biased because I've met him and I've talked to him and I've met Netta as well and I've talked to them and we follow each other on Twitter. Well, he, DeRay follows me on Twitter. Netta doesn't follow me, but she'd be tweeting back at me. And maybe that's why I'm biased. But 
as we know, Black Lives Matter protesters have been making a big a lot of noise at these presidential um campaign at these presidential candidates. So after these two young women um pretty much like interrupted Bernie Sanders' speech and I think Seattle it was, we found out that the Hillary campaign had been reaching out to people affiliated with the Black Lives Matter movement and had also reached out to a couple of other social justice advocates, two of them being DeRay and Netta. Dream Hampton came out on Twitter and started sending for DeRay and Netta saying, oh, they're not Black Lives Matter. They don't do anything. Why are you talking to them? So then, of course, obviously, DeRay and Netta were responding like, hey, just because we're not Black Lives Matter in the organization doesn't mean that we don't have agency to say anything and that we're not advocating for black lives. And then Dream Hampton, which really disappointed me, proceeded to just straight up disrespect DeRay and especially Netta on Twitter. Netta was saying how disappointed she was because that was someone she looked up to. Dream Hampton responded with, I only met you one time and I was to give you $700 to go to D.C. and interrupt Al Sharpton. On Twitter, and as we all know in any movement, and during the Civil Rights Movement too, there were people who beat and who had issues with each other, and there were all sorts of problems, but to see that kind of what I call pettiness, petty wop lifestyle from from someone who I thought was like, you know, very intelligent and cared about the issue really bothered me, and it really frustrates me because so many people in the Black Lives Matter movement have said that they don't accept the political establishment, so why are you getting mad that people are reaching out to those who do? I mean, great point, Stanley. Tiffany, did you want to chime in? Yeah. Because I was, like, following that whole, like, interaction, and it was, like, really unfortunate to see. And it got to the point where I think Dream was, like, threatening another um, activist, saying that she was going to, like, fight her in the street. And I just feel like all of our faves are just so problematic, and they need to get off social media. (laughs) Nah, don't stay on that. I need that (laughs) that. that that tea when I'm at work. (laughs) But it's just, like, everyone's, like, fighting, you know, to have that spotlight. And it's like, there's so much work to be done because every, what, 20 hours probably now, they're killing us. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who's, you know, you know, in that position, long as we're moving towards, like, black liberation. And yeah. to go back and forth, and then there was, like, even more saying that they even did reach out to, like, Black Lives Matters activists and it started sparking this conversation, moving past those three those three words and, you know, start talking about the black liberation movement. Mm-hmm. Because at the truth of the matter is D-Ray word. and Netta, they have the shot. And I appreciate that because if it wasn't for them on August 9th, Telling the truth when Mike Brown was laying in that on the ground for four and a half hours, we don't know nothing. Thank like, you. So let's not act like Black Lives Matter, whoever. Like it was because of Netta and D. Ray and people from Ferguson yep. that said, "Nah, this is not right." And let's like, get it, no. I'm trying to cut you off. I'm no, really passionate right. about. This. Let's get this straight. D. Ray doesn't even live in Ferguson. He dropped everything yes. where he was in Minnesota and came down to St. Louis. When I, I remember when um Mike Brown was killed because I was actually drunk. At Riverside Park at Rough Buff. Oh, okay, last I year. That. And I'm, I got the tweet and I got mad. I'm like, I can't even deal with this. Pass me a nutcracker. That was pretty much like, but then the next day and that entire time period forward, the only reason I knew what was going on was because I started following DeRay. I started following Netta. And like, that's how I was up to date on everything. When I went to DC for, um, for not Roots for, for a conference, and I met with them. They had just come from St. Louis. They had just been shot at by cops with rubber bullets. They were going through all these things, and that's not the undercut dream Hampton or anyone. But these people have been in the trenches, and you know what? As we'll talk about in the next segment, they have a plan too. They they really do yep. campaign zero. We'll get to that in the next segment. But I know Tiffany had another story that she wanted to share for the news uh, roundup. Yes. So um, New York Times put out a really uh, interesting article talking about the racial. Um, Sorry, let me pull it up really quickly. Sound it out. Yeah, she's getting that. Let me just tell you guys, by the way, you should follow me on Twitter because I need more Twitter followers. 
Anyway. <laughs> so as racial wealth gap persists despite degrees, study says. So I feel like everyone always talks about how people of color, black and Hispanic, you know, um, higher education is a great equalizer. So a study that was put out by the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis was like, ah, slow up. Uh, we've seen from 2007 to 2012, you know, we had like the great economic crisis that a lot of people of color that had degrees mm-hmm. really suffered during that time. Yep. So they may have sustained, you know, short term wealth. But in, when it comes to long term wealth, you know, our white and Asian counterparts, they are just, you know, really blowing us out the mm-hmm. water. And that was like they raised up the question how, you know, discrimination plays a role in terms of like, you know, um, employment access. You know, our employment rate is twice as um, high as any other uh, group. And also a lot of people of color don't have traditional, you know, sources of wealth. So when you're going to school, even as a, you know, maybe a public institution or a private, you're taking out student loans. Mm. So for a loan that may be for, you know, our white or Asian accounts, but maybe like nothing to them. But for us, when we graduate and we got 30000 on our back and we don't have any sort of wealth like that can really like bog us down and we've seen that in the long term that higher education is not the end all be all because we are combating discrimination um and things of that nature so it was really an interesting article and i definitely encourage um everyone to really read it because you are making more if you don't have um if you if you do have a, a college degree but during tough economic times, because you have more money, obviously more money, more problems, more bills, yeah. <laughs> you're spending more. So if you look at someone who has a high school diploma, you know, they have less money. So they may not have a, a mortgage or a car and this, that, and a third, but you do. And if you lose your job or you're not getting paid the same as your white or Asian counterpart, it's going to be tough for you when we have another economic crisis, God forbid. Yeah, I graduated from college, make it twenty eight thousand a year, and mm-hmm. with student debt of fifty plus thousand a year, mm-hmm. that kind of math that don't add up. Yep. What Sally May calling me talking about? You got to pay us eight hundred a month. I'm like, I can't do that. I got to pay rent. <laughs> it goes, you can skip rent a couple of months. Wow. And I said, Sally, stop playing with me, shorty. This ain't how it works. <laughs> However, I don't want to harm that too much. I know we're running out of time, so I want to get to Sean um, King. Yes. So, have you guys heard what was going on with Sean King? Yes. Oh, yes. All right, so for those of you who don't know who Sean King is, Sean King is one of those people who, like DeRay and Etta, were there in the beginning during Ferguson covering the story, was one of the only journalists giving the real deal about it and not just getting press releases from the, from the St. Louis Police Department and publishing them online. Recently, Breitbart, which is a conservative blog that also said Barack Obama went to a terrorist high school, released a story saying that Sean King is not actually black. And as we all know, if you know Sean King, he's biracial. They said on his birth certificate, there was a white man who signed off on the birth certificate. Sean King tried very hard not to like give the reasons why, because as we all learned, his mother cheated on his on her husband with the black guy, and that's who his actual father is. And he didn't really, didn't really want to talk about this. But for the entire week, there were all sorts of articles on CNN, yep. Mike, Vox, mm-hmm. Huffington Post, all these places questioning his blackness. Yeah. And then people attacking him on Twitter, sending death threats and everything else. Yeah, I, I saw some of those attacks. Like, people were like, deaf to you, whitey. And just saying, like, really mean, stupid things like that. But, I mean, a lot of people did jump to conclusions and... I can understand why they did that because when he first gave a response on Twitter, he sort of talked around it and he was like, you know what, you shouldn't believe the blogger that even put this out because she doesn't really, she's not really credible. And, you know, which is a true statement. And, you know, but I did get attacked for being um, biracial in, in school and here are the pictures. But he didn't, he never came out and said, like, 
you know what? You guys are crushing in my blackness. Here's proof. And I'm not saying he should have, but then he was like, I'm never going to discuss this again. And then allegedly one of his family members told CNN that it's true. Both his mother and his father are white. So it wasn't until, I, I guess, you know, um, it wasn't until he finally said, no, my mother had an affair with a black man that it finally put the rumors to rest. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what was your initial reaction, Tiffany? My initial reaction was that I just thought, it was comical that these, you know, conservative, borderline propaganda sites were, you know, to have the authority over blackness. The same people that were probably saying that Rachel Dolezal is okay for her to be black. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure they were leading that charge as well. And I do think, you know, it gets to the point where when you are on social media that some things are should be private. You know, you got to keep close to the chest. And I think when you see the attacks on Sean King from all of his work, since, you know, I really came to know him from Mike Brown. And then, you know, he did fundraiser, a fundraiser with um, Feminista Jones for the Tamir Rice family. And I think this is what happens when you see that this Black Lives Matter movement or Black Liberation Movement, however you want to refer to it, is not going anywhere. And they start to attack the leaders. And I just thought it was like, you know, it was a joke. It's unfortunate that he had to come out and share this story. But it goes to show that people are scared because we're not going away. We're going to keep talking about this because at the end of the day, we are every day we're dying. And I think that was the, the ultimate goal to try to discredit him. Right. But it's discredit him in a way that I feel like it didn't even make sense because he was doing good work and I feel like why would he lie about his blackness and like he said his mom why would Rachel Dolezal yeah, lie yeah that's what I'm saying Rachel, yeah. Rachel did and she was doing great work too yeah so, but Rachel Dolezal was also a little bit different because she was also like you know reporting for sake. yeah but you, you know what though it really did make me look at the Rachel Dolezal situation a bit differently because when I first heard about it I was just laughing and joking about it and then I learned more about it and I was really upset and then now, like, this happened to Sean King with someone who I think is credible who, and, like, who I respect. So I gave him the benefit of the, of the doubt. And if he had turned out to be white, I'd have been disappointed. But I don't know if I had been upset. I'd have been as upset as Ooh, I was with Richard Dolezal. And the, yeah, exactly. That's the thing that I had to question. Like, why is that? And so Richard Dolezal, what upset me the most about her was that, like, she was actively being problematic. So she was filing false hate crimes. She tried to sue Howard University for racism and then claimed she was black. And then, like, she just doing, then, like, trying to question other people's blackness when she wasn't even black herself, which is extremely problematic. So even though she was doing good work, she had a, a, a lot of other problematic things next to her that was just so wrong that I could not give her a pass. Right. Whereas... Um, Sean King has, from what I understand and what I've seen, has done nothing but good work, has supported the movement, has not tried to put himself out there as some kind of savior, but been like, here's what's going on, here's what you need to know, here's how you can get involved. But but I had to say to myself, if it's not okay for, for people to throw death threats at Sean King and to, to tell him that he's crazy or, you know, not or delegitimize him, why is it okay to do that to Rachel Dozal? I mean, that is a great question, Stanley, and I do understand we have to wrap up the news, round up, um, and move on. But that is some food for thought, and I think that we can all continue to think about that during the week. But for now, we're going to go on a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more, and actually all about the Black Lives Matter movement. We'll be questioning, is this a moment, or is this a movement? Stay tuned. <laughs> 